Hey, good night. Good evening. Good night. Not good night. Not goodbye. Welcome. Welcome to Real Life. Excited you guys are here. Uh, man, it's been a fun term. Uh, what's going on? I, I'm just curious. What's, what's been exciting in your guys' lives? Just yell out a few things. What's, what's something you guys are looking forward to? Or? Your sister's having it. You're going to be an aunt? First time? Second time? Oh, that's awesome, Megan. That's exciting. Yes. Oh, yes. What else? Anything else happening? Midterms? You guys just pumped about those? No. Anyone else? What did you say? Fishing tomorrow. That's good. Well, the weather, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's supposed to be 90 here this weekend, uh, and we're going to be at Shasta, and it's going to be 90 there. So it's those that are staying home, you guys are blessed with great weather. Um, man, I'm excited for uh, tonight. I'm excited for Shasta. There's 197 people going. That's crazy. The final count, 197. There's about 171 students, and the others are kids and mentors and different things. But uh, I'm excited. Uh, we got some uh, great ski, boater, ski boats coming, and um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, real quick announcement, too, just in light of what he said about Shasta, uh, please... Remember, if you're riding with someone to bring some gas money, I just filled up my truck on the way here. It's $3.99 a gallon. And it's expensive when you have a 30-gallon tank, you know, do the, do the math. So bring some gas money, help, help those guys out. Uh, also, just for those that are going, you'll get home by about 6 or 8 o'clock, um, most likely. We'll leave the marina by noon, um, So just so you can plan on that. So you might still make Mother's Day dessert. So I don't know. Anyways, I'm going to pray for us, and uh, we'll start going where we're going tonight. God, thank you so much for this space. Thank you for what you're doing. God, this is so exciting, just hearing stories of people, um, just, um, yeah, just the community that's happening in small groups, uh, people finding you and finding relationship with you and being set free of just things that they've been just carrying for so long. And God, we thank you for how you've changed our lives. And just tonight as we come together, God, this is just one part of our walk. There's so many, much more happening throughout the week. And we just pray that this could be a celebration of just what you've done in our lives individually. And, and God, as we um, can learn from your scripture and grow in your word, we just want to learn tonight. And God, I just pray that you would um, speak through the speakers and uh, just bless our time, our discussion. Uh, pray that you would just... Uh, just wherever we're at, whatever we've come in here with, whatever things we're carrying, that we can just be present uh, for the next uh, little bit. And we just give you praise and, and glory and honor. Because of you, we, we meet and gather, and it's your, you get all the glory for what happens here. Amen. Amen. So, if you're new, we, again, we want to welcome you. Uh, we're doing a series called No Greater Love, and we're just kind of looking at John 13 through 17, just four four chapters of scriptures, and it's really the last hours Jesus spent with his disciples before he went to the cross, before he went and died for our sins. And so it's a pretty powerful text that we've been studying, uh, and um, I'm just excited for tonight. Um, last week we started in John 15, so you can turn to John 15, that's where we'll be. Um, you know, at this point, his disciples had spent like three years with Jesus, and so their world's going to be turned upside down. Uh, in, in, in the next couple chapters when he goes to the cross. And so we're going to see that. But um, he's giving a great warning and instruction. And uh, I think we can glean a lot. Last week we looked at this idea of Jesus as the vine. 
And apart from Jesus, we really can't have a fruitful life. And this idea, this principle about remaining and abiding in him. And it's really interesting if you think about it because he's talking to his disciples that, like, like I said, their world's going to be turned upside down. And he's just pleading with them, hey, if you would abide, if you would remain connected to me, uh, you know, because the Spirit's going to come, we're going to have fellowship. You're going to be fruitful. You're going to be able to handle whatever the world throws at you. Um, so that's where we're at, John 15, 12. You can turn there. And I'm going to invite up our panel. Tonight we have special guest speakers with us, Tim and Talisa Rogers, so you can give it up for them. Come on up. So they've been my dear friends for a long time, and Tim and Talisa, they've served over 25 years in the mission field uh, in Southeast Asia and Brazil, and they're back for a little bit. So we're blessed to have them. We're going to have a conversation, but Tim's going to start. He's going to read the passage and, and kind of summarize it a little bit. We're going to do it a little different. We're going to still read the text that we had planned for tonight, but then we're going to, we have some questions that um, some people have given us, but also just some themes from the text that we're going to learn. So we're going to do a little different teaching style tonight. So again, give it up for Tim and Talisa. You can use that one. All right. Good evening, everybody. It's great to be here. And uh, I have two uh, college-age uh, kids, um, Bethany and Abraham, and then one 13-year-old, Linda, and then two grandkids now. And so as a father, I just want to say this. I don't know. I was just sitting in worship. I just want to say this first, that I'm proud of you, that you're here, and that you're able to be in the Word tonight. So it's so awesome that you're here. So let's, uh, if you're not there, we're on the screen, John, John 15. Um, we're going to start in verse 12. It says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they did not, they didn't, did not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. <clears throat> he who hates me hates my father also. If I have not done among them the, the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now that they have seen um, and also hated both me and my father, but this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. 
to verse 27, right? Hmm. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So this is a powerful section. And, and as um, Chad has been pointing out, this is the last night right before Jesus is going to be betrayed. He's, it's actually going to be that night. He's going to be betrayed. And by morning time, he will be hanging on a cross. So it's kind of like five chapters squeezed in here, chapter 13 to 17. He's like unpacking for these disciples this amazing truth and if you would if you had given this much detail to every day of the life of Christ people say that you would have had five bible full of information for all of the things that Jesus did but he just went into all this detail on the last night and I don't know if he had shared some of this before but a lot of it was just brand new for them. They were like, where are you going? Are you speaking in parables again? Are you, are you speaking? You know, they're just trying to clue in with him. And he's going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But as I was here yes, last week and I heard Chad open up about how he talked about this metaphor about I am the true vine compared to the faults, right? He's, he's, he's drawing this, this idea for the disciples. And he says for them to abide in him. And then he goes on and he says, abide in my love. And he goes on and says, keep my commandments in verse 10. In verse 11, he says, it looks like joy. In verse 12 that we just read, it's, it's like it goes back to love one another. And then as we read in verses 13 to 17, it's like, stick with me, abide with me. This is what it's going to look like. It's going to look like you're in fellowship with me, you have love, you have joy, and you're going to be fulfilling these amazing things in your life just by doing that, just by being with me. And so when he talked about the world, sometimes when we read the word world, we think, oh, those are the bad people outside. That's the non-Christians, the world or whatever. But really, the word world in Greek is the word cosmos, and it's the arrangement of all of this uh, system. The system that was in Jesus' day, what was the system against Jesus? It was the Jewish religious leaders, right? It wasn't the Jews because they were Jewish. But it was the Jewish religious leaders. They were against Jesus. And what's really interesting as we go into this time of talking about persecution, what is that? It's like, was it like the Romans that were against him? No, not really. <laughs> they crucified him, yeah. But it was really the religious leaders. And it's just interesting that um, as you contrast this true vine of following Jesus, you're not following a system. You're following a person. I want you to understand that. You're not following a, a system. You're following a person. He is a real person that loves you, that died on a cross for you, was buried and rose again the the third day and is alive forevermore. And as we follow Christ, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. But what's really radical is that throughout history, it's really been religion that has persecuted people that just follow Christ. Hmm. And, and what's really radical about this, and this is just in summary to this, and I'm going to stop talking. The nature of Christianity 
and I'm not trying to define it myself. I'm just reading it my, here. The nature of Christianity is simplicity. <coughs> if you're taking a mental note, the nature of Christianity is simplicity because it's all about love. It's all about joy. It's all about friendship. It's all about love again. He repeats himself, <laughs> loving as I loved. Over and over, we read the same thing like, wow, he's being redundant here. It's all about love. It's all about joy. It's all about friendship. Just like we're talking about going to Shasta and all this. I mean, see you guys here, these, all these young people here. It's like friendship and love and grace. All of that together is like so amazing. That's what it is. That's what the essence of walking with God is. It's just that simple. But guess what? Religion says it can't be that simple. No way. We need more money. We need to make people freaked out. They need to be part of this community, this bigger organization. And then you go, oh, maybe it's not that simple. Oh, my gosh, you know. And so all throughout history, it's been religion that has persecuted just that simplicity of following Christ. You look at the first century church. It wasn't Rome that persecuted them. They sometimes persecuted them on accident, Right? Hey, you know, you, you know, deliver someone from demon possession. They're like, okay, let's beat them and stuff. And like, okay, they were Romans. Oh, never mind. Forget, forgive us. You know, but it was really the religious leaders that were doing that. Because guess what? The religious leaders were like, I spent all my time memorizing stuff and all this, all these things. And now you just say, love one another. Just, just have joy. Just, just have friendship. And so... What's beautiful about it, when we're going to talk today about abiding and what we learned, a little, some things that we learned, is about this simplicity. Sometimes you have to be so concentrate, concentrated on the truth that it, it, you, you can deflect the lies. Because all these lies come at us and they tell us, hey, you know, it's more complicated than this. No, it's just walking with Jesus, loving the Lord, being with the Lord, and allowing the things that Jesus cares about be what you care about. And so this is what abiding in Christ looks like. The religious leaders, they missed it. <laughs> and they wouldn't have that sin that Jesus talked about if they would have realized who he was. They were all about, where's the Messiah going to come? We're all about the Messiah. Messiah shows up. They're like, I don't like that. I don't want that Messiah. Hmm. You understand what I'm saying? And so even sometimes I believe some people that say they're Christians would say like, yeah, I don't like, you know, it's so simple and even if Jesus showed up, maybe they would hate Jesus because he's so simple. He's so straightforward. It's not about all these religious things and stuff. And so the main thing that I want to point out today, this summary, is that our abiding in Christ, it looks like something, and it's all about joy. Paul would go about, talk about that in Galatians. It's all about love. It's all about that. And so if that is what you want, if that's, that's your desire, is just walking in that light and that truth, man, it's just simple. It's just that simplicity and it's freedom. And uh, I just, I just want to encourage you guys with that tonight and, um, and just take away any burdens that you have because we're, we're burdened by so many things and it's like even sin, right? Sin is like, that word armatia in Greek, and what's, what, what, what do some people say? What does sin mean? Miss the what? Mark, right? And that's true, but it's also, it's the word armatia, martia, martas comes from destiny. And ah, anything before 
a word when you say ah mar martia it's like no destiny and god has a plan for everybody at our school everybody around us he has a great destiny for everybody but guess what we go i want to do it my way i want to do this i want to do that and we miss his destiny. We miss that, that plan for his life. But what's the great thing is we can come back around and go, God, I've asked forgiveness. Forgive me. And I want to get back to that plan that you have for my life. Because he only has blessings for each one of us. So I just want to start with so that. So good. Thanks, Tanner. That's awesome. Awesome, yeah. Um, we're just going to look at some sections. Kind of, We broke it up into kind of four little sections. And then... I wanted to put my, um, I'm hoping we have some time for some questions that you guys might have for Tim and Talisa. So my number is going to go up. If you have questions, um, you can text in some. Hopefully we'll get to that, but we'll see. Uh, but just kind of the first section, you can look down at John 15, uh, verses 13 through 15, if you want, if you're tracking with us uh, in your own Bible. But it just says, Jesus calls his disciples friends. And, and I kind of, when I, when I was thinking about this, it seems obvious that they were his friends. I mean, they followed him for three years. They better, you know, it'd be kind of weird if... After three years, you weren't friends. Yes. But, so he makes this statement. So I was just going to ask him and Talisa to kind of expound on why is this significant that he calls them friends? And then it's kind of a three, three question, one question, three question. Uh, why is it significant that he calls them friends? And what does it mean to be a friend of God? And what does that look like in your guys' life as you guys have traveled and been all over the world and served God in different countries? Um, yeah, um, I guess I was sharing with someone recently that after living 11 years in Brazil, we have somehow loved and been loved by thousands, thousands of people in Brazil. Now, after being 11 years in China, like we can say we have loved and been loved by thousands of people in China. And I mean, I don't know, it's kind of hard to describe. We have a jiu-jitsu studio there. Tim has a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and I have a bakery. And... Um, it's, we don't want anything from the people. We just want to care for them. And we've developed these friendships. And through that, God has worked in their lives. And maybe that is simple. I don't know. But you're, that kind of spoke to me, what you were talking about, uh, about keeping it simple, right? Yeah, that's right. I, I think about just, uh, it's a, I, that, the question is about friendship, right? Yeah. The Walking main, friendship. Uh, yeah, sometimes that, I think people... You talk to someone that's new in the Lord, or even like when I grew up in the church, someone's like, um, you know, what does it mean to be a friend of God? Like people say, hey, yeah. you know, like, I mean, yeah. in the Old Testament, I think it was Abraham, yeah. um, Moses, or different yes. people that, you know, yes. were considered a friend of God. Um, and so, like, we're encouraged by pastors and different people, yes. like, to have that relationship, that type of relationship. What is, I mean, how's that, what's that look like? Yeah, like, uh, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's keeping that simplicity of just receiving his love for your life first. Like, whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. He's forgiven you of your sins and you're loved by God. And you need to start there, even every day. Sometimes we blow up, we need to blow it again. We need to start there and just receive God's grace and start over and just go, I want to be in fellowship with you. I want to be walking with you. And so with me, it means talking to him like you covered that last week right you can ask anything right mm -hmm. and you'll be heard and in, in, in prayer is not like reciting some over spiritual words it's just like just talking to God mm. as you go just as you're going as you're going to school as you're driving down the street as you're wherever you're going just to be like that kind of that tickle in the back of your throat when you have that cough it's just like you're just <clears throat> you're just like ready to talk to God at any moment 
you're just and it's that I, I believe it's just that intimacy that um, God desires, that friendship, right? It, it'd be kind of like if I just if I got married to Talisa and I'm like, man, I really love Talisa, but I'm just we're gonna get married, but I'm gonna carry her picture around in my 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 book, my my wallet, just to look at it every day, and I'm gonna say, I love you, Talisa. You're awesome, right? But that's what religion does sometimes, or whatever. We get weird about that, but it's like it's an actual person. <laughs> <laughs> that you have a relationship with. You understand? It's not this idea or this system. It's an actual person that you have this relationship with that you're talking to, right? So good. So good. Yeah, that's amazing. Like, I think it, you just put that so clearly, the simplicity. But there's also just the idea that we can have a friendship with God. And yeah. some of you might be here tonight and you're like, you're still wrestling, like, is God real? Uh, some of you, may know, you might know God's real, but you're like, man, he's too holy. There's no way... I could, you know, relate to him or have relation, you know, like this relationship with him. But, but that's the that's the gospel. That's what we've been learning is like that Jesus came and he took on all our sin. Last week we read a verse: He who knew no sin took on sin. He became sin, uh, so that we could have his righteousness. Uh, so when he died, and he rose from the grave, and you receive him as your Lord and Savior, and you put your faith in him, like. Like, God doesn't see us as sinners, you know. Right. He sees us as friends. Like, that's why throughout this chapter, he keeps calling them friends. And I think it's just this beautiful thing. And I, sometimes it's really hard for us to get past. If we've shamed someone or let someone down, it's hard for us sometimes to receive that friendship. So I, I just think it's beautiful that right here in this text, this is one of those, like Tim was saying about simplicity. Sometimes we struggle with our faith, right? Right? Like, we struggle. Like, so cling to some of these verses. That's why we highlighted verses 13 through 15. It's just like, think about as you're struggling, sometimes, you know, you can, you, you can be in a state of depression or you can be discouraged by something that's coming up or you can start believing lies that, like, you're not worthy or you're not, you're not good enough or you, do, you don't add up. And, and the reality is, man, he, he calls you friend. If you put your faith in him, if you're connected to Jesus, if you're abiding, like, you're his friend. And so just cling to that truth. Like, let that soak in and don't forget that one. John 15, 14, this is the next kind of uh, topic we wanted to talk about through the text. Uh, throughout John 13 through 17, again, you've seen this many times. It talks a lot about obeying Jesus. Like we, uh, Scott Schindler pointed that out a couple of weeks last week. I think it was in chapter 14 also. But we see this in John 15, 14. You are my friend if you do whatever I command you. So he kind of gives like a little, um, uh, what's the word? What's the word? Caveat for being a friend, yeah, is doing what he commands you. And then uh, chapter 14 says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So the question for you guys is, uh, what has following God or obeying his commands looked like in your life? And, and like things like, how did you know you were called to Brazil or Southeast Asia? Or, or, and also, was it hard to follow, you know, obeying yeah. him, you know? Yeah, so just again about simplicity, guys, and his commands are not burdensome. First John says, right? Same author of John, First John says, his commands are not burned. His command is what? To love one another. It always goes, it's like in a loop. That's all that we're doing is to love one another. And it's like this about calling with our life. As you start to walk with the Lord, you're going to whatever church you're going to here in Corvallis or the surrounding area, it's not about the person up front. They're not the whole thing about ministry or the person that's doing worship. That's part of it, right? But all of us are called to something to be a part of ministry in some way. So for me, I just started to go, how can I start loving people where I'm at? 
What does that look like? It has to look like something, right? I'm going to start loving it. Maybe that's washing dishes when, no, when it's not my turn. Maybe that's folding clothes when whatever. Or maybe, maybe it's something over the top that you want to do for sub, someone that shows love, that looks like something. It's not just, I love you, bro, you know, or whatever. It's like, it's like it actually looks like sacrifice, right? It actually looks like service. It actually looks like Jesus. And so when you're starting to do that, maybe you start to share with people. Maybe evangelism. You go, man, I'm, I feel like I can share the gospel easier. Or I can start to make, break down the word to someone easy. And you, you start seeing, like, maybe a gifting there. Maybe you, you were called to go to, like, Mex- Mexico or another place to go share with people in another country. And when I was 15 years old, the pastor of Calvary Corvallis, he looked at me and goes, you want to go to Hungary, Eastern Europe? I'm like, where's that? Like, let's go over there. And so going to another country, I was there in another country. And I was like, I've been raised in a Christian home like, mo- like a lot of you too. And I like knew more than most pastors in other countries. Not to be proud, but just because how rich we've been fed the word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so when I was there, I was like, oh, shoot, like, Man, there's something out here in the other countries, man, like God's working and people are hungry for the word. This is crazy. And it was just like that seed in my heart to, to see people respond to the gospel because you're kind of here in America. You're like, oh, everybody kind of heard there's a church in every corner or whatever. But that doesn't really mean that everyone's a believer, right? We all know that. But it's just kind of being where you are, what you, wherever you work, wherever you're going to. You're, we're all going to school here probably, but... Wherever you're going is to, to just say, Lord, how can I be used? And then when you get married, it's like, Lord, I want to be married to someone. This is what I prayed. I don't know about your prayer. This is like, one pastor once told me this. He said, I prayed for his wife would love Jesus more than he did. And I, I said that, Lord, would you just bring me a wife that loves you more than I love you? And he did. And Talisa came, and she loved Jesus. She was fully for Jesus. And, and then when we started to pray about going out and, and, and helping with the Sudanese people and went to Af- Africa and other people that were persecuted and were there and were able to share with these people and God opened this opportunity through Corvallis to go to Brazil, we didn't even know. We didn't even know. Like It was just like just God just started putting it together, right? Just put it one step, one thing after another he put together. And I remember just, if I can share this really quick, is that um, I remember Talisa was pregnant with our second child, Abraham, and we were going to go on this trip to Brazil with Calvary Chapel Corvallis, and this was like year 1999, 2000, okay? And we're going to go to Brazil, and I was like, I don't know like, if I should go there to live or go there to like just visit. And my wife's now pregnant with her second child, and she's so sick. I don't know if you have a mom or aunt or someone that's sick like all nine months of pregnancy, but that's, what, that's the gift she has is like oh, she's sick all the, I mean, bedridden, IVs, the whole thing, throwing up all the time. And I'm going, oh, man. I'm such a dumb guy. I better not go to Brazil, man. I have my one-year-old daughter, and, and we're going to have a baby soon. Like, what am I doing? And I just looked at Talisa, and I just said, Talisa, I just, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm not hearing God right. I feel like I want to go to Brazil. I feel like that'd be great. Seems right. Seems right. 
but not doesn't seem right. You ever have that? Seems right. Seems right, but doesn't seem right. It seems bad. <laughs> and if I was in the, the staff here at this church, I'd be like, that's a bad idea. You're going to take your sick wife down to South America. You've never been there before. And my wife looked at me and she said, she doesn't remember this, but she said, don't base a spiritual decision, a, a spiritual, don't make a spiritual decision based upon this present difficulty. And I said, we're going to Brazil. That was it. That's all I needed. And, and I, I went to the pastor, Rob, and I said, hey, we're, we're going to go live there. We're going to go down there and live. We've never been there before, and we're going to have the baby down there. And, uh, and, and so it was kind of a crazy trip. You understand what I'm saying? Not trip like, you know, we think about trip. But it was a, <laughs> it was a crazy trip because it was like, whoa, are you like insane? Yeah, kind of like walking by faith kind of looks insane sometimes. But you're just like, I want to go because I believe God's saying go. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because he's our friend, but he's also our master. And it's like he's our benevolent master. And like that great, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bob, not Bob Marley, but uh, no, Bob, no, back in the 70s. Bob Dylan. What did he say? What's the famous quote? You have to serve somebody, right? And so really, the whole thing about life, and I shut off, someone said I don't, don't agree with that anymore. They shut me off. So <laughs> Bob Dylan said that. What did Bob Dylan say back in the Everyone was all on, you know, tripping out, LSD, all this stuff. He's like, you have to serve somebody. Because that's what everyone's doing. We're serving somebody. You all are serving somebody, even yourself, someone else, the mighty dollar, whatever you want to call it, you're serving something. But you go and serve the benevolent master. He's Jesus. He's benevolent. And it's not a democracy. It's a theocracy. Do you understand what I'm saying? And he's Lord. And we go, yes, Lord. That's what we say to the Lord. When he says, do this, we go, yes, Lord. Amen? Amen. And so, uh, and you might go, I don't know if I want to do that because it might make me go some, do some crazy thing. Maybe. <laughs> but it's worth it, and it's very pathetic as Christians to think, man, I don't want to be suffering and stuff and doing all that stuff. That's kind of pathetic. Because guess what? In life, life is already hard and already painful, and there's already trials in life. It's better to just go and live life for something that's of value, Right? And go, hey, I'm going to live for what's valuable. What's valuable in your life? What's eternal? What can you look like in your life and say, this is eternal? Or that we can just throw it in the trash and burn it tomorrow. What can be thrown in the trash? Should you live for that? Or should you live for what is eternal? You tell me. What's eternal? Living for Christ is eternal. Following Jesus is eternal, sharing the gospel with lost souls and seeing people come to know the Christ in all different cultures. That's eternal. You understand what I'm saying? Even sharing with your family or, or, or studying and, and doing this to honor God with your studies here, that's, there's a value to that if you're doing that to honor God. That's beautiful. So it's a long answer, I know, but I'm just saying it's it's. The sure, calling, yeah. the friendship, the walking, it's all connected. It's not just like, oh, like compartmentalize every little aspect to this, you know. It's like, man, you just get freed up when you come to Christ. He frees you where Christ has set you free. You're free indeed, man. You're free. And maybe you're going to struggle. Maybe the enemy tempts you with this or that. But, man, 
To say no and to suffer a little bit in the flesh and say deny some sins because you don't want to because you can you don't want to suffer a little bit, man. Suffer a little bit because the dividends are greater. But you give into things. There's a pleasure for a minute, but then you suffer afterwards, right? You guys all know. But so we need to be courageous young people to go, man, I'm willing to suffer for Christ because there's a lot of people that are suffering for nothing, suffering for nonsense. And we have the truth. You have the truth. All of us. The whole world is just like, I wish someone would come tell me. We're like 90% of people in the world just hasn't even heard Jesus yet. And we're like, what kind of Bible should I buy? And what color should it be? And everything like that. You know, I like Bibles too. But I'm just saying, <laughs> people just need to hear about Jesus for the first time, right? He sets them free. He sets people free. And so it kind of simplifies things again. I, I always try to go back to that simplicity because religion wants to complicate it and make you feel like you have to do a bunch of, oh, you need to do these 10 steps first and then you're going to be approved and da, da, da. Then you give this money and then you get on this, da, da, da. And like, no way, man. That's how we make huge, or we have to fight against that whole system. Right? That's good. The system is against Jesus, man. The system, it's Jesus is coming to us saying, I love you. I love you. And I want to walk with you. As, you, uh, as a friend, mm -hmm. and that's radical. It's good. Yeah, so but good. maybe think of just when you were talking about simplicity, too. Um, I remember somebody said, well, why did you guys move to Brazil? And we said, oh. well, we heard there was people that wanted to know more about the Bible. And then, why did you move to China? Uh, kind of heard some people were having a hard time there. And I know that sounds silly, but, I mean, the reality of it was five one-way tickets to China was the scariest thing I ever did. You know, taking our three children and just, just going to an island I'd never been before. But um, something you said about, oh, even <laughs> sometimes Tim will say, there's something, there's a problem, something's happening. And he's like, we need to pray about that. And I'm like, no, we don't. <laughs> no, we need to do something about that. <laughs> you know? So, um, yeah, I think, I think keeping it simple has been, it's been the ticket for me. Yeah. yeah so good. Yeah, it's so good. Uh, Sometimes, yeah, there's that, like, obedience can be, like, um, just waiting, and, and then sometimes I love that, that, that call to go and do, and I love what you said, too, his commands are not burdensome, and this idea of simplicity, like, when we look at that last, just the last thought on the, that passage, John 15, 14, you are my friends, if you do whatever I command you, someone text in and asked, um, like, what does that kind of mean, but I, I think it comes back to just his commands are not burdensome. Um, and that the idea of this, it's the simplicity, but like really, like Jesus over and over reiterates like, what, what's the greatest commandment? That's right. Like, Good. it's love God, right? And then love others. Like, and we can boil it, we can get all, you know, there's just so many things we can focus on, but it's like, no, just everything he's saying here just filters through like, is it loving God? And is it loving others? And that transitions us into the next uh, question, which is about loving others, John 15, 12, and 17 says, we're called to love one another. How does one love another well? That's the question. Does it mean agreeing with your family or friends about everything, choices they make? Uh, but, but how do we do this well? How do we, um, we're called to do it throughout this text, time and time again, and it, it makes me wonder why, you know, Jesus is asking, they're all friends, right? Yeah. And he's leaving, and he's saying, you guys need to love each other. 
It's like, you know, they're probably like brothers at this point where they just kind of fight and bicker who's going to be the greatest. And maybe, they're, maybe Jesus knows they're going to be reeling after, you know, he, he, he dies for three days and then goes to the grave. And, like, they're going to be, like, thinking, what, what did we just do? Like, and they're going to be, and so he's like, love one another. Right. And so, to, again, that question, how does one love another well? And does it mean, again, agreeing with your, your family, friends, or those you're close to about everything and choices they make? And I'm just curious what you guys, from your experience, your life experience, and, and raising kids, and, and also just the, the different cultures and people you've interacted with, how would you answer that? Yeah, like in every culture, there's something, there's something about God. God made everyone in his image, right? And so there's something in every culture that still bears the mark of God. And there's, some, there's parts of culture, even our culture, that's diabolic, meaning that's terrible, right? And so even the people themselves are like, we're just like, we don't even know how to get out of this. You know, it's like so crazy, right? And so, so what, when we go to a place, sometimes we're just amazed at certain qualities that we're not really familiar with in our own culture. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of have, when you go to another culture, you're, in, you're from your culture, you want to learn someone else's culture, their language, Portuguese in Brazil, Mandarin in China, and, and yet you're forming a third culture, like it or not. It's not exactly like America, it's not exactly like China, and it's, it's just like another kind of taking the good and the bad of everything or whatever and putting it together and or throwing it out and saying this is kind of how we're going to have our family live. And so we've done that, but... How, how do we accept certain things? Sometimes we don't, we don't make it a thing like a hill to die on. Is that, a, is that kind of an idea, a phrase that people understand, a hill to die on? Like we don't make certain things a hill to die on, even in marriage, right? I mean, you can bicker like, you need to respect me. I'm the husband. Or whatever, yeah, take I, you know, but you know, but if you don't, if you focus on that verse that pertains to you, then you're off, you're off kilter. You understand? You need to focus on yourself, not the other person, fulfilling what they should do to honor the Lord. Do you understand what I'm saying? It should be what should I focus on for myself? And so, in this thing of loving one another well, it's like sometimes we do disagree, and I, I've messed up with my kids sometimes, and I required too much from them and and was too heavy-handed and tried to like you know I don't know if you've been in this kind of religious set, setting that you expect them to be better but they're just people they're just kids that just they need grace and I had apologized many times afterwards like I'm sorry that I came down on you too much you know like will you forgive me Abraham will you forgive me Bethany I just I you know, or hyper-spiritualize something, try to put my faith, make them have faith like I'm trying to have faith. (laughs) And it's like, they're just like kids that are like, we're looking for you, dad, mom, like, you know, and and so with that, with raising family, that's another maybe subject, but I think the whole subject about like disagreeing with things, I know that's a big subject here now in in America, and and, um, this is really shocking it may, might shock you. If I haven't said something shocking yet, buckle up. Just joking. But uh, we're gonna. <laughs> we might shock you a little bit today. But it's like you, you, um, you see. God allows people to choose really whatever they want to do. They can do whatever they want. God doesn't. Does God come out of heaven and stop people from doing what they want? 
he doesn't. He lets them do it. It's really hard sometimes because I want to control the situation. I want to control this or control that, but we can't control people because, like I said about Armatia, it's missing Armatas. It's missing God's best. God has his best. He's given to us. This is my best. I love you so much, but sometimes we fool ourselves and we think, man, I'm not valuable enough to have God's best. I better settle for this. I don't have patience enough for God's best. I better settle for this. And then we see ourselves as not valuable and we become insecure. And so many guys I meet in the world, and, and I'm not, maybe I can't relate to the girls here, but it's like there's so much, I know there's insecurity with girls a lot, but there's insecurity with guys to be leaders because, oh, I messed up or I, I said the wrong thing, and man, I'm just a doofus or whatever. And it's like God still is calling you. He calls each one of us to lead in certain ways, certain capacities, right? But sometimes sin causes us to feel like we're unvaluable, that we're just trash or that insecure. And that's not of God. That's not of God. You need to find your security in God and that you're his friend, that he loves you, that he died for you. He didn't die for the whole world because he just loves everybody. He died for you. He hung on the cross for you. And that's amazing to think that he died for me, my sins, all of the things I've done or said or thought that was against God, he paid the price on the cross for all of that garbage so that I could be forgiven, completely forgiven, and walk in this newness of life. And that's what he has for us so that we can be gracious to other people when we talk to them. What does gracious to other people look and, like, Tim? And, and so when I'm loving someone, when I'm loving on someone, sometimes when I blow, let me say this, when I blow it, like I mess up, I, I, I yell at my wife. I know that you might imagine that I could never do that, but I yell, I yell at or I yell at my kids, and then I'm like, oh, man, what do I want right there? Do I want truth or grace when I feel like I've messed up? What do I want? Hmm. I want grace, right, because I'm like, oh, man, will you please forgive me? I messed up so bad, but guess what? What brings me stability emotionally is receiving truth. Isn't that hmm. crazy? I need grace to kind of get out of like to shed those shackles of feeling so like I'm worthless. I need to know his forgiveness, his love, but I need truth to give me stability, to give me backbone, to know what direction I need to live now. And I love that about God and about his word because he wants to give us that so that we have that perfect balance because Jesus is perfect in grace and truth, right? Mm -hmm. And he can just minister in that way. And that's, you know, I don't know if that answers the question no, for you, but. That's good. I think that's good. Just um, for me, like caring about a person or um, showing them grace me means for me not trying to change them. Um, being willing to be in a relationship with someone that has different ideas or different thoughts or thinks different or acts different than I do. But being there for the relationship, even though it's doesn't you know isn't always feel right or or great, but or it looks messy, right? Yeah, it might look messy, but not just seeing 
so much value in that person that I, that I don't even want to change them. Mm. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, I, I, I kind of grew we, up in a Christianity. I mean, kind of like that, that we, just to interrupt yeah. real quickly, like, we can't change people, really, can Right, we? but I grew up in a different yeah. type of Christianity yeah. that wanted to change people. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And change is good. Change is good. God doing a work in our lives, convicting mm-hmm. us, the Holy Spirit is doing change. But I thought I was supposed to help change people. And, mm-hmm. then I, and then as I realized that I'm supposed to continue in friendship and continue to be that friend to them that Christ has been to me, and God does the work of change in yeah. their life. That's... That's, That's so good. It yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things. I remember doing premarital counseling with my wife, and I remember just talking about things like that because it's like sometimes people get in relationships and they're thinking, this person, you know, like I can accept all these things and I'll just change this about them and they'll be, and it's like, man, who they are is who they are. Right. Accept them for who they are, and if God does a work in their lives and changes them, then then that's that's going to be amazing, but it's not. You're going to be really frustrated if you're going to be pursuing friendships or a relationship, and you're trying to change them. Yeah. Um, along these lines, a text just came in that said, uh, "What does it look like uh, to lay down your life for friends in 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 kind of the modern day?" I mean, it's like obviously in parts of the world that's still something where people have are literally legitimately laying down their lives for for um, uh, just to share the gospel. And, and um, so, what would that look like? Maybe. Yeah, like, in our in our context. Yeah, I mean that would, you might go into the persecution section here in a minute, but um, laying your life down for someone is just being sacrificial, like going the extra mile. I think practically, like rarely does God ask you to actually die physically for Him. And some of you are like, man, I would take the bullet for my friend. And guys, we do honor veterans in a way because I mean, if anybody is going to sign up and go, I'm going to die for people in the country or whatever, we should respect them, right? But it's like people that lay their lives down willingly, that's respectable. That's honorable, right? Giving my, dying to myself, my own like, this is what I do or what I, you know, think people should focus on or whatnot. And I'm going, hey, I'm going to like lay my life down for this person, care for this person. I think it's, it's, it's an amazing form of love. Maybe it's going to be physical. Maybe it's just in a, in a way that, because Jesus did it physically. He actually laid his life down not only for his friends, but those that would be driving nails into his hands and feet. He would say to them, about them, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, right? And so his love for those in that situation, that's, man, that's amazing, mm-hmm. you know? And so he did it. I mean, he didn't just talk about it. But he, he, the next day, the next morning after he shares this, this, it's all, I mean, we're breaking up section by section, but it's all one study that he's sharing at night, mm-hmm. right before he gets the kiss on the cheek from Judas that's going to say, hey, this is the guy. Boom. Take him. Middle of the night. Hmm. He's going to be hanging on the cross for these guys. And so he really did lay his life down, right? Yeah, for me, um, one of the greatest resources I have in my life is my time. Hmm. So good. Don't know if that's looking too far into it, but when I look about people that I care for, they're the ones I give my time to. Oh yeah, that's how you laid it, your life down. I mean, yeah. yeah. So we all we all have that we all have that resource. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what. Yeah. So I mean, it's not that we necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just ways that we can give to. That's people. really good, yeah. Lisa. That's really good. I'm getting a lot of questions. I'm going to kind of try to generalize um, a little bit. I've had about three questions on just this idea of like. 
how do we approach people? And, and it's kind of like this, like Tim already kind of hit on it, just the idea of grace and truth. Like how do we talk to people um, um, graciously but also with truth? And um, something I was kind of on this question about being a friend well is like this idea I was talking about, uh, the other day to some friends, that this idea of just like, man, our friends are going to do things that hurt us. Our friends are going to do things that we don't wish that they should be doing and, and whatnot, but we can still, they're still our friends. We still accept them, um, whether they're family or friends, that, that they were created in God's image, that, that maybe they've made, you know, 99 decisions that day, and just the one that you don't agree with was the bad one in your mind. But overall, all, like the theme of their life, what they're doing and, and pursuing is like, is good. Um, so I think that's important. Like, man, I can, I can accept a friend, even if they're making choices that I don't like agree with or approve with, I can still accept them. I can still love them. I don't have to disassociate from fellowship. And I, I, I've seen that in our culture. We're just seeing people just break, break ties of friendship uh, over uh, issues that aren't major. I mean, in their minds are major because that's all they're focusing on. They're just like, just seeing that one issue. And there's like a whole bigger picture and that person's so much more than just that issue. Um, and so I just thought, you know, um, an example of this would be like if my son, like I love my son, Caleb, and I love my daughter, Claire, and if my son just like, you know, gets a little angry and just slaps Claire, right? Like that happens. You probably had, those that had siblings, maybe if you're an only child, you don't know about that, but there's little tiffs and little scuffles and, and whatnot. And so he does that. It doesn't change that I still love my son. Like I still love him. I don't agree with, like I accept him for who he is. He's my son. I love him. I don't approve of him losing his temper and slapping his sister. And there's going to be a consequence for that. And I think we can just tease that out into all our decisions in life. Like there's consequences for things that we do. Um, and, and sometimes I think what's sad is the fact that a friend is willing to say that they love you and they accept you for how you were created, yet don't approve of some choices you're making, that's a good friend. And that's not being celebrated anymore. That's a good friend. You should maybe instead of question maybe that they don't have their, what's best for you in mind, maybe you should be questioned like, is it wisdom that they're speaking? The Proverbs full of it are faithful are the wounds of a friend. Like just, it's so, like wisdom is found for those that can be, like, can take instruction. And so you just take it to the Lord. It might not be something that's bad. Uh, it might be something that you're like, wow, I had a blind spot here. Or maybe why is this person so concerned about this? Maybe don't just think like, oh, they're just focusing on one issue. Maybe just think like, they just really care about you. And so I think that's just really important to just be thinking like this idea. And a lot of that, all that's done in friendship. And so like, you can be very truthful, I would hope, if you're friends. But yet, sometimes I'm seeing on our campus and, and, you know, I have friends from all different backgrounds. And I'm able to have those friendships because I can be gracious uh, but yet I also don't shrink back on truth. And so I'm hoping, I'm generalizing, but there's like three questions that came in, a uh, text in on that. And I'm like, man, it, you know, be willing to step out and share if there's concerns or, or struggles that you're seeing in that person's life. And it might not be received well, but also if you're receiving that, maybe again, just take, take it to heart and be like, oh man, maybe I'm supposed to pray about this or maybe there's something, that maybe I shouldn't just get defensive or be insecure. Maybe there's something there. You know, and just to be thinking uh, along those lines. Did you That's have something? Awesome, Let's uh, 
Again, that was the friendship section. Let's look at the last, I think it's the last one now, um, and then there's a couple more texts if we have time for but we're going to end on time. So this is probably the last question here. John 15, 18 through 25, this section, uh, it seems like followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised at persecution. I mean, it's very clear Jesus uh, is saying uh, that in there. Um, so why does it surprise us or offend us when we experience some type of persecution? In our country, it's going to be a lot different than in different parts of the world. Um, so why does that surprise us or offend us? And what are some ways you guys have experienced that um, in the U.S. and overseas also? Well, what, what we've experienced, it's not, it's not been like persecution, like physical persecution or whatever. Sometimes we think of it like that. Um, Jesus had physical persecution. Um, they tried to stone him a few times. He went out of that area, and he ended up finally being crucified. And it was by, like I said, people that were threatened with, like, he's sharing something like he's not, he can't be the Messiah. He looks like this. And so they were so angry with Jesus that they persecuted him and he's saying you're going to be persecuted if you follow me it's going to be similar and sometimes when we just name the name of Christ and we're just like I want to follow the Lord we're we're going contrary to a system that maybe they're let me say it like this maybe maybe the system uh, is saying you can't believe in Christianity right so you're a Christian, and so what do you do? You can't stop being a Christian. But you're, so there, sometimes when you're, you continue to follow Christ, live for Jesus, stuff comes against you. Maybe you're reviled for Christ. Maybe you, get, um, you lose your job because of that. I don't know what, what would happen in, 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 our, in our society or someplace else. I know a lot of places, like, in, I mean, even today, you know, of churches being burned down or different things like this. Some of the times when we think about, we think about stuff like that. And sometimes it's because, like, again, other religious groups look at th- this followers of Jesus as some th- sort of threat, and they start to persecute those believers. And so that's what I see more more nowadays is is religious people and even now even at this point it was religious people that were persecuting uh the followers of christ it just happened to be the jewish religious leaders at that time but it could be anyone follow i mean just imagine you're saying i'm following everything to the strictest letter and everything and jesus is like you know this young rabbi is saying to them actually i'm just going to summarize it all for you love god and love your neighbor as yourself they're like i hate this guy you understand? Because it's like they were trying to follow 613 commands every day. And any one of us can start your own religion and say, I'm going to follow these rules this week. Let me make some rules for myself. Ten rules to follow. Hmm. And you're going to break them. You're going to break them. Because it's like any rules you make, it's like it's a good idea, but you end up breaking them. And that's what's so radical about the the. The religious leaders, it's like God made the law to show his moral character, but right after he made the sacrificial system to say, we need a sacrifice. Hmm. We can't we can't do it, you know? And so it's this, I think our, the persecution that we feel sometimes, like, I mean, I, I'm in, at the gym and, and, and I'll have atheists around me and people like this. In, in, in East Asia, I really haven't found any, anyone that's from China 
that's like, I'm an atheist. I'm totally against God. I've never met a Chinese person like that, personally, 11 years there. But I've met a lot of foreigners like you and me that's come from another country and like, I'm an atheist. I'm going to go to the communist country and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be, you know, against God and I'm away from God. And guess what happens? God is there in the country and God's like, hello, I'm here too. You cannot run away from me. Where can we go from his presence? The Bible says, right? Where can we go? He, the whole place, he's wherever. We can't, we can't. We make our bed in hell. He's there, right, in the grave. A lot of us think, oh, man, Satan's in hell, shoveling the coal, making people shovel coal. Satan is not in hell. One day he will be thrown into the lake of fire as the greatest loser of all time, Revelation says. He's out roaming around, seeking to whom he may devour. God is everywhere present, and it's all for his purpose and plan. And people in any country, man, they get face-to-face. I've seen people radically saved, no Christian upbringing. They're like, gave their life to the Lord. They went to go do kung fu or whatnot. And they're like, I'm going to go do kung fu. And God's like, bang, take this. And they, like, give their life to Jesus there, came back, went to Bible college as a pastor now in Florida. This is a true story. He never followed anything. I have another atheist friend that was like, oh, man, join jujitsu. Ah, no, you're such a whatever, you're, you little-minded Christians or whatever. I'm like, okay, and they just kept loving on him. He's not arguing. Well, you know, just, you know, talk to him. And, and, and then we lost contact. Uh, this was last November. We lost contact. And then he, he found me. He goes, man, I thought you were, like, captured by someone in the country. Where were you? <laughs> and I said, oh, man, I lost my, my uh, whatever, Instagram account, blah, blah, blah. And I said, he's like, man, it's great to find me. I go, I go, how are you doing? And he says, I gave my life to Jesus. And I said, what? I was like, I didn't even believe him. I thought he was going to go, psych, like, you're... <laughs> I was going to just joke with you. Nobody goes, no, I gave my life to Jesus. I go, what happened? And he goes, I was, I, I was at my jiu-jitsu gym. He went to jiu-jitsu for three years in America. And he's like, I went up to my professor that was from Brazil. And I go, you're kind of a fanatic, you know. And he's like, I'm not a fanatic. I'm just a Christian. And he's like, what would you give, what would you tell a skeptic that is against God, doesn't believe in God, what would you tell him? And he says, oh, I would probably just tell him to keep seeking the truth and and, and maybe read this book that takes more faith to be an atheist. And my friend says, I read that 400-page book that night. I read it. And afterwards, I was like, there is no way that this is made up. There's no way. And I, and I said, it has to be true. I thought there was a bunch of nomads out in the desert writing about scrolls, about telling people what not to do and such. I didn't know it was made up of 1,500 years by 40 different authors on three different continents. You can't even get two people to agree nowadays on a subject in two different places. 40 different authors writing in total conjunction about the same subject? No way. And I was like, wow, this guy's really sad. Linda, come over here. She's my 12-year-old. Come over here, sit down. This guy just got to give his life to Jesus. He was a full-blown. He made fun of dad. Remember that? Yeah. So he's now a Christian. And so... And she's like, man, Dad, God's going to use it. And I go, I hope so. And he's like, and, he, and I, I kind of just thought he, like, like, gave his allegiance to Christianity. Like, he was just, it was a knowledge thing. Like, okay, I'm not going to be a Buddhist. I'm not going to be following Islam. I'm just going to be a Christian. No, he's like, man, like, pray for me in my relationship with Jesus. And I said, man, that is, and I was just crying. I was just like, 
this is such amazing thing. There is no high on earth that you can get to see someone that just changes, that has no background. They're just totally free by the love. It's like, man, I, I'm going to write a book about a against atheism and Christianity right now because I, you know, there's some books that are like low IQ books and high IQ books, and there's nothing like in the middle of the ground book. So I'm going to try to, when I get all these arguments that I have right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, man, that's praise God. Maybe God's going to use you for that right now. It's, it, it, it was just like four months ago. And, you know, talking about friends, just in another subject, I came back here for my dad's memorial last month. And I came back, and I was going to see my friend. He has really a lot of money. And, and uh, he was, God used his life, used him in my life, in my life, in high school, in faith for the wounds of friend. He used to confront me about stuff. And he went to college like you, and he started to walk away from God. And he was like, man, my life was poor. My, I lived in an apartment downtown Santa Ana, California. Man, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. And so he just like went for that. I'm just going to be rich. I'm going to be rich. And so he started going away from God. And we would come back from mission trips, and I would say, hey, look where we were at. And we went to Italy here. And he would be like, oh, I went to Italy too. And I go, but I didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> and I went to the same place. And so anyway, so I, I'm sitting there waiting for my friend this last month, and I'm sitting there, and I'm waiting for him to come with some sort of Zen ideas or blah, blah, blah he's going to talk to me about, and, and about something, you know, and I, you know, I was just going to wait for that, and I was just going to love, love on him, just like I've done for 15 years, and he said, Tim, I, I'm coming back to Jesus. I'm just, I'm just not sure, not all the church and all the religious stuff that people make it religious. I'm just getting off my bed on my knees and reading the Sermon on the Mount and looking at Jesus face to face again. And I just started to cry in the middle of this restaurant. Just, you ever seen a big old guy cry? It looks <laughs> terrible. But I'm just sobbing. <laughs> just like, man, that's the greatest news that I could hear is my best friend that God used in my life that went sure. his way got all this money, but guess what? Sometimes when you're at the bottom, that's a great way to turn around. You're like, I don't have any place to go. I'm going to go up now. But when you're on the top, guess what's on the top? Nothing. You hit the ceiling. You go, like, I got everything now. What's next? Uh, and that's where he was. You have to come to God because there's nothing there at the end mm. of your highest pursuit, and that's a great way to come back to Christ. Yeah. So. Real quick, I want to touch it, talk about the persecution thing just for a yes. sec. Um, I guess when I share situations that we face where we live in a closed country, or I say what church looks like for us, or, or what I'm allowed to say, what I'm not allowed to say, um, people would say that that is a form of persecution, the limitations that have been put on us, right? But um, what did Paul say? I'm chained, but the word of God is not chained. There you go, that one. Um, and um, we know it's the truth that sets us free, right? Hmm. So is, it's here. Freedom is here. People, hmm. yeah, people tell us where we can have church, where we can't have church, who can come, when we can't, you know. We've got all that. Then people would call that, some people would call that a form of persecution, you know, the limitations. But we know that God's word is not limited, and, and the freedom is here. That's where we get it. It's not mm -hmm. in a place 
or even in our physical body, but it's in, in knowing what God's done for us. Amen? So good. So good. That's awesome. Hey, we're going to pray. We're going to end there tonight. Um, and let's just set stuff aside for a second. And um, I just want to uh, just take a second to pray with us. And so many good things, nuggets that just that Tim and Talisa shared. And just I hope that you guys are tracking with us that, man, we're just taking this ancient text and opening it up and reading and praying about it and looking at it and allowing it to, to just um, sink into our minds and our hearts. And there's a little bit more life experience up here, but yet what's so powerful is you guys can do this and unpack God's Word in, in your houses uh, with a friend at a coffee shop. Um, and so we just want to encourage you just to do that. Um, even this week, just re revisit these, these kind of topics.